With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated station, or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or callings may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. I'm getting feedback. Why don't we turn this off? Okay, let's try this. Is this better? Now, no feedback. All right, today is Thursday, 10-24-2019, and we are doing TJ Morris ET Radio for all of those that keep up with all of our live shows and podcasting. I have... uh, the company, American Communications Online, and Thomas R. Becker, whose voice you heard, is our general manager. And tonight, my co-host is Janet Carol Lesson of our Ascension Center Network in Hawaii. She also has Aquarian Radio herself uh, as her brand, and we have done co-radio uh, shows, helping each other, co-host on each other's uh, dials or networks or channels, if you will, uh, through many years. Uh, we were friends for years, and uh, we became co host in 2012 together, June 2012, and uh, decided to welcome Stanton T. Friedman, was our first, uh, or actually our second week, I believe, our first guest. We had Lynn Caston and several other people. So, uh, Steve, let me let Janet, Steve's calling me on the other line. Maybe he can't get in. Janet, would you introduce yourself? And uh, Steve Colburn was okay. calling me on my home number. I guess yeah, he can't get in. So I'll call him back. All right. Well, yeah, let me mute and you take over. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm uh, Janet Carlesson, and I'm a co-host with Teresa J. Morris, and uh, we're going to be talking, I think, tonight about artificial intelligence. Let me pull up the show page there. Uh, let's see. Get the wrong one here. Hold on. Bear with me. Okay. Oh, here it is. Here it is. So we have Steve Colburn coming on. Okay. So I'm back now. Chemist? So Steve Colburn. Okay. You found yeah. Steve? Yes. I was just talking Can about hear Steve. Me? He's a chemist. Can you hear me? Steve is a yeah, I can hear you just fine now. <laughs> okay. Can you hear me, Janet? You know, I was just telling her, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear okay. me? Can you guys hear me? Uh, yeah. Steve Colburn, yeah, I, are you I, here? I can hear you. <laughs> can you hear me? I think we're doing can a three-way. Can you hear Janet? Can you hear me? Yeah, Steve. Yes, I can hear you. 
okay, good. And I, uh, and I can hear you. I can hear you, TJ. Okay. Okay. Whew, man, what a night. I had um, I apologize, everybody. This is me using new equipment for the first time, so I apologize to the listening audience, Janet and Steve. All right. Wow, new equipment. It all looks different, sounds different. Had to adjust things. Good. So let's get a sound check. So Steve uh, and Janet uh, know each other and have been on several shows prior, and uh we're going to talk a little tonight about cybernetics, the future prediction of AI cyborgship. And uh, Janet and Steve are part of our ACO Association, our UFO Association, and our ACO Press Club because they've been with me uh, at least a couple of years with Steve. I don't even remember the first time we had Steve. I didn't have a chance to go back and do a lot of work, but I do know that he's very up on his line, and he has a company and uh I told you Janet owns her on uh, Aquarian Radio, and uh, we're going to – I sound a little rusty tonight because I've only been doing uh, UFO associations lately, but uh, we're going to get back in the swing of things. So, uh, Janet, did you introduce yourself? I didn't get to hear. No, I didn't have a chance online. to. <laughs> I just All started right, well, talking uh, and back online. All right, so Janet uh, has the floor, and then uh, we'll introduce – Steve, uh, Janet, I'll read this after uh, you introduce yourself. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I'm Janet Lesson. I'm a co-host with Teresa J. Morris, and we've been doing shows together since 2012. And so we're back doing some shows together uh, after a little break there. We're supposed to be on different projects. But uh, I'm an author. I have a number of books out on the Anunnaki. I just released a new book called Adonaki Evolution of the Gods. It's uh, just been released about a week ago. It's up on, um, what's it called? Um, well, it used to be CreateSpace, but you can get it on Amazon. It's, um, it's going to be in both forms and ebook. I think it's available in both forms. So you um, can check it out, Anunnaki Evolution of the Gods, and I'm working on another book. Um, so I like writing books, and I like doing radio shows, and I live in Maui, Hawaii with my husband, Dr. Sasha Alexander, and a bunch of cats, and uh, we're just enjoying life. It's a very exciting time. So I guess tonight we're going to be talking about AI, and that's one of my favorite subjects. I was thinking about all the AI I've known in my life, so we'll talk about that. <laughs> Think of all the AI you've known, even in fiction. Go back in time, <laughs> and you'll realize that AI has been with us conceptually for... I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years. Okay, back to you, TJ. Okay, uh, future prediction AI cyborg chip, Steve Colbert. Now, Steve's a chemist, materials scientist with over 20 years of industrial experience. He's currently working in the area of carbon nanotubes and working to start a nanotechnology company. Steve is called a hybrid by Bob Dean, who headed our Stargate to the co- Cosmos, I've got first Cosmos, alien contact events. Bob was our first event holder in Tucson, Arizona, and angel investor in our future for alienology, ufology research annual events. And Janet Carlesson took the position of event coordinator with Bob Dean. Now, ACO department called Allied Command Organization is filed in the honor and memory of Thomas R. Morris and Robert O. Dean, both of the U.S. Army and European theater veterans for the USA. In the UFO field, Steve 
does an analysis of alien implants. He, uh, of UFO crash debris and other physical evidence found on or around experiences of alien contact. And uh, let's see here. I'm Steve met Dr. Lear, and we, we're going to talk a little bit about that because it's very interesting. Because Steve, I don't have it on the uh, list, folks, uh, but he was Project 17, our patient 17. So, I was patient uh, 16, he has, actually, but um, I was on the, on the documentary uh, patient 17. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm real excited to get him here. He's uh, gotten to be rather well-known. He's sat next to Bob Dean. And uh, let let him tell you about that because there's documentaries, UFO tubes, uh, even uh, the gentleman that's done the Bob Lazar talk, uh, Je- Jeremy Corbell, has been uh, in his presence and apparently filmed him as well. So, Steve, if you don't mind, uh, Janet and I will go on mute. And uh, let me give you the floor for a few minutes, Steve, to tell us a little bit about yourself. And then, if you don't mind, about that patient. Uh, and Jerry, Jeremy is in the in the big limelight on YouTube these days uh, because of ufology. And no, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but go ahead. Yeah, we'll go on mute. Um, Janet, we'll mute ourselves. Well, okay, go ahead. Well, I, I I always knew that there was a high probability I was an alien abductee because of a lot of weird stuff that had happened um, during my uh, uh, growing up years, UFO sightings and um, dreams about aliens and uh, um, UFOs and such. And, and then uh, in, in the 80s, I had um, a series of um, of uh, hours long missing time experiences that. Um, I didn't have any other explanation for what might have happened to me uh, besides being abducted by aliens. But since I didn't have any physical evidence, I just kind of buried it in the back of my mind, and you know, couldn't do much. Couldn't really do much with it as far as uh, you know, saying one way or the other. That's the way I was thinking at the time, anyway. And um, then when I got uh, married for the second time and had uh, children. Um, the alien activity started up in earnest. Um, uh, we started getting um, red marks in our bodies and uh, strange bruises that would come up during the night and um, um, hearing weird noises and stuff that um, telepathic noise, I call it, that only we could hear and just weird stuff like that. <clears throat> then uh, one night I was, I was staying in the house alone and um, uh, they came over and put an implant in my toe. Um, I knew it was an implant because um, uh, I had this weird stinging pain in my toe and um, looked at the underside of it. It was my left second toe, and there were two puncture wounds, puncture marks uh, on, on the underside of it. And I tried to UV light, uh, shortwave UV light on it, and um, both puncture wounds um, glowed bright green. So that's highly unusual. And um, then the weird stinging pain turned into an electric shock type pain that got worse over about a four day period. Whenever I whenever I uh, took a step uh, with that foot, um, this electric shock uh, type sensation would go up my leg. And um, I think that was probably the nerve cells growing into the device. And anyway, I've been following Dr. Lear's work for years, Dr. Roger Lear, and um, uh, by um, happenstance or uh, uh, synchronicity, he uh, only worked uh, a few blocks from where I worked in Camarillo, California at the time. And so um, <clears throat> I went to see him and uh, told him that I had a foreign object in my toe the first time I went there. And um, and um, 
uh, he looked at it and uh, said to come back in a few days. And I came back, and then this time I um, worked up the nerve to tell him that it was about a possible um, alien abduction and it might be an implant. And I don't think he believed me at first, but um, he did give me a prescription to get the toe x-rayed and uh, said on the prescription to give a copy of the film to the patient. And so I went and got an x-rayed, and I knew I was going to see something on the film. I mean, I just had a strong gut feeling I would see something on the film. And But when I did, that changed my life forever. Like I tell everybody, um, there's a heck of a difference um, in this kind of thing between uh, strongly suspecting something uh, incredible like this is going on and knowing for sure. So if you have physical evidence, you pretty much know for sure. And um, it looked like a bent, a small bent piece of wire on the um, on the X-ray, and it turned out to be uh, somewhat larger um, uh, when they brought it out than it looked on the X-ray. And um, <clears throat> uh, Dr. Lear became very interested in my case at that point and um, uh, scheduled an implant uh, removal. Um, uh, Jaime Masson uh, paid for the surgery and had it removed. Um, seven months later and he didn't have anybody to analyze the implant after it was removed so at work i had a lot of instruments and um, scientific uh, equipment to play with uh, that, that weren't always being used so i volunteered to analyze um, part of the implant and so he gave me two chunks of the implant it, it actually broke into 12 uh, it was brittle and actually broke into 12 pieces uh, upon removal uh, they, they they tried to pull it out and that turned out to be a good thing is it gave us a view of the inside of the object without having to cut it. And um, it turned out to be um, uh, a pretty typical alien implant based on what he'd seen before. Um, and um, if you're not familiar with the stuff, you could read um, Dr. Lear's book um, and uh, also my uh, papers on my website, um, alienevidenceinc.webs.com um, about my implant. There, I have papers there about my implant um, and uh, the Ron Noel implant. Uh, he was patient number 16. I was patient number 15. I'm, I um, uh, misspoke before. I was patient number 15 and Ron Noel was patient number 16. And then um, the last uh, implant removal by Dr. Lear was um, uh, patient 17, which uh, Jeremy Corbell uh, filmed. But uh, but um, he he just happened to be there. Somebody else paid for the surgery. Um, Rick Shaw, uh, he he's the guy that did the Watcher series. If people are familiar with that, I've been in I was in several of those. And um, at any rate, um, um, uh, I analyzed the object, and it was a fairly typical alien implant from uh, Dr. Lear's uh, past experience with a, a gray. Um, membrane uh, electrically conductive membrane around it and uh, below that um, a layer that kind of looked like uh, it was similar to a uh, shell or or um, mother of pearl or biological hard part of some kind bone maybe um, and um, it uh, had a, a sheen to it under the microscope like mother of pearl and um, apparently that layer has uh, chemical cues in it to cause the nerve cells to grow into the device and interface with the membrane and uh, the, there's probably enzymes in it that cause the membrane to form in the first place from blood plasma. And below, <clears throat> below that is a metallic layer, which is um, uh, meteoric iron, uh, uh, amazingly enough. I mean, the, the trace element pattern uh, matched um, a uh, type of uh, nickel iron meteorites called hexahedrites um, in terms of the nickel content and um, 
gallium and germanium and um, uh, precious metals, rare earths, uh, those kind of things uh, that are typical with those kind of uh, iron nickel meteorites. And um, embedded in the metal were um, clumps of uh, carbon nanotubes, which I'd been working on at work. That was quite a synchronicity too, to come across it's something I'd been working on uh, for several years at work inside one of these uh, implants that came out of my toe. And um, the object was giving off radio signals before removal, so I concluded that the um, the carbon nanotubes were probably the electronics of the device. Um, Earthly Science has been working on uh, carbon nanotubes uh, as electronics for quite some time, and uh, apparently the aliens have perfected the technology, and it's probably old technology to them. And um, a colleague of ours, uh, time <clears throat> Dr. Kuntz, um, uh, said he thought that they were powered by zero-point energy through uh, some sort of interaction between um, between uh, a phonon mode of the um, electrons in the metal and um, the magnetic field that was around the device. These devices, by the way, are usually magnetic. And um, the device had about a 10 milligauss magnetic field to it. And um, after removal, one, one really interesting thing happened um, before I before the analysis. Um, Dr. Lear uh, always stored the implants in um, uh, blood plasma from the patient. And um, he noticed a few hours after he put the uh, the pieces back into the into the plasma that um, they were lined up in exactly the way they were in the body. Um, and uh, that was rather amazing. Some, some mechanism caused them to spontaneously line up in the, in the order they were before. Um, and uh, uh, he really um, was uh, excited to see that and told everybody on the, the implant removal team about it. And um, the uh, magnetic field kind of decayed away after a week or two <clears throat> of being out of the body, and um, they did not uh, uh, give off radio signals after removal. Whether that's due to, um, even if the device is intact, they don't. If, whether that's due to um, uh, not being connected with the nervous system or some anymore or some other factor, we don't know. But um, at any rate, they're, they're sophisticated nanotechnological devices uh, rather than just pieces of metal. And one other really uh, interesting factor um, with this and, and all the other implants that we've studied is that they cause no inflammation in the body whatsoever. And that's unheard of. I mean, any um, foreign object in the body produces uh, uh, some sort of inflammation. Um, it's just uh, something that uh, that happens. I mean. Um, a foreign object produces inflammation, and uh, anything that does not is uh, highly unusual, to say the least. I mean, this could have implications for um, our medical technology if we could somehow wrap uh, donated organs in some material that does not produce an immune response. That would be huge. Um, and um, um, uh, these um, objects are uh, also the, the the objects had um, isotopic ratios of the uh, the elements in the metal that did not match um, did not match uh, earthly ratios and uh, each element has um, uh, 
different types of nuclei with the same number of protons but different numbers of neutrons, and they have different atomic weights. And some elements have more than one of these called isotopes that have different numbers of neutrons in the nucleus. And um, the ratio of those isotopes is characteristic uh, for whatever planet or body it came from. And uh, there were there were a few elements in the metal of this device, of this device that had isotopic ratios that were wildly different than those from Earth. And so we had two lines of evidence, two reasons to believe that the metal did not come from Earth. Uh, one, that it seemed to be meteoric iron, and the trace element pattern matched um, that uh, hexahedrite group of iron-nickel meteorites, and also that the isotopic ratios of some of the elements uh, did not match uh, those from Earth. In fact, um, we need to confirm this by other tests, but it, it, it indeed seemed to <clears throat> not only come from outside the Earth, but possibly from another area of the galaxy uh, entirely. Uh, the isotopic ratios were extremely uh, different than those from Earth. <clears throat> but um, anyway, you get a glass um, of water there. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, we can Oh, grab your glass. Have you got a glass or a bottle of water there close to you? That's yeah, fine. yeah. Yes. Well, do you, have, you. Have any, do you have any questions so far? Or any comments? Or well, did did uh, I, I, Janet and I will both take turns asking you a question if it's okay? But uh, sure. Ooh, there's a lot of sound in the background. Is, is that me or Janet? That's not me. me. I'm, I have. Hold on. Let me turn off some fans. It's really hot here. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah, big big time. All right. Uh Steve, okay. I want to uh hold your thoughts right there. I want to get on the ground level for our platform. How Bob Dean sat next to you and everybody uh Steve was known as a hybrid, but Janet also oh Janet, you'll have to mute while I'm talking. And then Sure. Because it makes it sound. Uh, well, I don't know if I'm yeah, known as a hybrid, but but um, but I know the the aliens told me that I'd been genetically modified. I remember them saying that, and um, I went to the UFO Congress in 2009 and and um, went to the Meet the Speakers dinner and happened to end up sitting next to Bob Dean. And the first thing he says to me is, he, did, "Did you know you're a hybrid?" And that freaked me out. And um, I told him, uh, "Well, no, I didn't think it was a straight out hybrid, but uh, they did tell me that I was genetically modified." And I go, "How did you?" how did you come to that conclusion? How do you know somebody's a hybrid just by looking at them? And he said he didn't know how to describe it, but uh, he just knew him when he saw him. And I said, you should write a, you should think of what the characteristics are and write it down, write it all down in a book. And um, unfortunately he died before he could do that, but uh, that would have been nice to, this information to have. But he, apparently okay. he, could, he could spot people the aliens. Well, now let me uh, let Janet speak to that because she knew Bob Dean personally, and he did seed our first event, although he did pass. But Janet was uh, the event coordinator, and I guess still is. There's no quiz coincidence in our alien group or alien contact group or UFO association, but Janet met Bob Dean. Now, Janet, tell Steve and the listening audience how you knew Bob Dean because it's terribly important to us establishing Portal Stargate tonight. Go ahead, Janet. Oh, She's been, in the, in the, I can hear birds and all kind of stuff, so no, I'll, no, I apologize, no, folks, fan. but she's my in Hawaii. Fan has started to, my fan has started to okay. go bad, so i got to get a new ceiling fan. Sorry, it makes oh, it sound like a bird. Proper. Okay. 
Yeah, All right, I'll mute and, and you talk. It's really hot here. Talk about okay. So talk about Bob, Bob Dean, Dean and how you got I into met this. Bob Dean. I met Bob Dean. Oh goodness, sakes. I guess 20, 25 years ago, I started going to all the UFO conferences. I was going to the San Francisco Bay Area UFO conferences. So we would just find ourselves sitting and talking for hours. So we got to be friends, and he said he was going to quit. It was back in, he was in his 70s or something, and he said, I'm quitting at the last one. And he did. He went home, and he quit for like five years. And then he almost died, and he he was up on board the ship. He said he was gone. He was in like a semi-comatose state for, um, I don't know, I forget how the equation was. He was gone for a few days down here on Earth in this semi-comatose state, but three weeks went by, and he was on this ship for three weeks. And then when he got done with that experience, he said, I have to come back out and I have to, I have to go present again. And that's when he was at UFO Congress in 2009. And he did that for a couple of years. He was coming on our radio shows. I was working with Lori and Fetchin, and he would come on every year. And, and he would come out and hold court at the UFO Congress. I call it holding court. And he was, you know, the senior. And all these people would just come up and, and love Bob for the whole weekend. And so anyway, uh, then one year, he just didn't come back. So we were sad. And then he recently passed us out last year. Um, but I met him in... 2011, and we were going to do this one last conference. He's going to come to one last conference. But I couldn't get it off the ground. I just tried, couldn't get it off the ground. Lorian tried with me, couldn't get it off the ground. It was, going to call, it was called Stargate to the Cosmos. So it's just a long story, but I, I, I ended up enough on that. Um, yeah, I think we're all hybrids of some, you know, if you go back to the Anunnaki story, but there's uh, subsequent hybridization programs that have happened. Uh, on the earth, different species uh, doing intervention. Some of it's for our own good. We, you know, as we see, we're on a planet that we're destroying ourselves. Um, we have to adapt or die. Uh, I think they're monitoring us. Uh, I wanted to ask Steve, did you, a couple questions. Did you get any sense of the reason behind the implant? And I have a lot of different because I'm sure it's too big. Yeah, you're, you're right about them monitoring us. I have reason to believe they, they, they monitor most abductees 24-7, and I have reason to believe they monitor me 24-7 at any rate. And um, they also have, apparently have a, a, a network, a worldwide network of um, uh, spherical uh, probes of various sizes that relay information back to them from every corner of the globe. So. Uh, they've been they've been seen in orbit with a space shuttle, for example, and um, they're pretty much omnipresent. And uh, I think they uh, they do a lot of the crop circles. But um, yeah. So how many? Um, well, first of all, I, I had one question on your implant, then I have another question. But we should go back and forth. Let me just give you the second question on your implant. Did you notice a difference in your body once it was removed? A little bit. I mean, it was really subtle. I, I, I think so. I mean, um, I, I, I seem to have a, for lack of a better way to explain it, a governor removed from my thoughts or something like that. I mean, it was like I could, could think a little bit clearer and freer. And people were saying I didn't look well when I had the implant, too, um, and saying that I looked kind of gray or my skin was a weird color. And sure. um, as, far as, the, as far as the reason for the implant, um, I got the impression it was a medical monitoring device, mostly. Um, uh, 
to relay back physiological states and blood blood sugar, uh, uh, body temperature, that sort of thing, and um, hormone levels perhaps, and um, uh, probably many different uh, uh, biological variables. And um, uh, the um, uh, at least I, I get the impression that's probably what it was for. We don't we don't know for sure, but um, it was relaying information to them for sure. It was transmitting radio signals. Right. And and uh, oh, okay. I'm, I said I'd pass it to TJ. Go ahead, TJ. I'm going to pass it to talking stick. I'm going to go turn off the bird. Okay. And put on a different fan that doesn't. <laughs> Okay, Janet and I, uh, we we both get excited about these topics, and that's why we decided to continue at least once a week together because not everybody likes our shows, but we do have each a huge following. Mine is TJ Mars ET Radio, and that was named by my uh, producer or production manager in Canada, Dick Vanderplug that had uh, he was in magazines and newspapers and he's still he's passed now but he has UFO Digest and Robert Morningstar I understand is still uh, managing that uh, particular uh, website and St- uh, Robert Morningstar is with us in radio as well on our Revolution Radio with. Uh, Mad Painter, who uh, usually joins us on Thursday and Friday night, but uh, we've had Mike Ringley pass recently uh, with Revolution Radio, so he's having to pretty much give about 90 radio hosts full his full undivided attention right now, so that's why he's not here tonight. And then uh, Ken Johnston is Ralph Kennedy Johnston, and he is part of our group and is in public relations and goes to these events as a speaker, as a NASA spokesperson, a former, because he doesn't claim to be an astronaut as to today, but at one time he was training and has the paperwork and the photos to prove it. And he upscaled, uh, had a copy of some of the uh, photos that were taken uh, during his tenure, during the, his time there. So he's also a part of this group. But, yes, back to Steve. is uh, Steve Colburn, and he has agreed to help us with alienology, being that he is uh, considered an alien hybrid. And that's uh, – I once called myself a walk-in because I had died and didn't know how to deal with these aliens and extraterrestrials. But once I was in the government, I felt better uh, – I wanted to be in uniform, and I've had a lot of training in and out of uniform, above ground, into space. That's where I met J. Allen Hynek, and I'm uh, real excited to be working with Steve because, Steve, I'd like to know, uh, do you feel like Bob Dean is very important to me because we're uh, – I guess we're, we're helping do a project to get things out that he suspected or knew about, but were you able to talk to him about anything that he thought or believed, or have you studied anything? Um, yeah, yeah. He, was, he said he was writing. A, he said he was writing. A, I think he he was a great man. He was one of the fathers of ufology, and I really respected him. Um, and um, yeah, I, 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 he said he was writing a book about the um, the connection between um, Jerusalem and um, the, that area of the Middle East, and um, the technological society we had on earth before that ended 12,000 years ago that probably a lot of people in the audience know about, uh, the Atlantean society, whatever you want to call it. Um, it was a worldwide thing. It wasn't just one, one Island in the Atlantic. 
And um, at any rate, um, he said that uh, the Jerusalem was important today because it used to be the capital of the world back then. And um, he also said that the Mount of Olives that Jesus used to frequent when he was alive um, was actually a a large pyramid that was a spaceport where a spacecraft used to land and it was just covered by dirt right now. And, and that the Israelis were um, were excavating it and that found um, technological artifacts inside. And uh, I, thought, I thought that was very interesting information. He said he was going to put that in his book, but of course he never got a chance to. So I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad the information didn't die with him. Well, I'm glad it that you're kind of has a ring of truth to it. Yeah, you're sharing that, Janet. Any questions? Uh, did you hear about Bob Dean's book, or were you at the same one Steve was? Steve, do you remember what year? Because uh, Janet spent so many years with him. That was 2009, 10, 10 years ago. From my understanding, Bob never got a book done. He was a great talker, but I think I don't think he ever did get a book. Done. Yeah, she, he just Bob said he was going to do it. Yeah, yeah, he was he, gonna I don't put think he ever made you do that. Another really interesting thing he said was that uh, was that the the Japanese bought paid 250 million dollars uh, to NASA back in the 70s to buy the uh, copies of every record, every photograph, every piece of evidence uh, that that the Apollo program generated for their space program. And um, he uh, at, at his talk that year um, released some photos that were from the Japanese collection. That the uh, the astronauts took that our government didn't release that showed um, there that showed um, a a huge spacecraft following Apollo 13 uh, on its way to the moon, um, and uh, he further he further claimed that um, and I've wondered about this myself that um, uh, the reason Apollo 13 was uh, you know didn't make it to the moon is because the aliens disabled it because they had a nuclear warhead on board, which um, made sense in a lot of ways because um, they were studying the, the the seismometry of the moon at that point. Um, the Apollo 11 and 12 astronauts had left seismometers there, and they they'd crashed uh, previously um, a lunar module upper stage and a um, Saturn V third stage into the moon. And each time the moon rang like a bell for hours. Check us up with this. I mean, the data was more consistent with um, a, a hollow object or a, an object with maybe a 50 mile thick. Um, metallic or semi-metallic shell with extensive caverns underneath. Um, and in fact, you can prove mathematically that the moon has to be at least 30% empty space if the, um, the, if the average density is, is at least as, 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 as great as the surface material is that they recovered from the Apollo program. And um, at any rate, um, the next logical step probably would have been to put a small uh, nuclear warhead on the moon uh, and detonate it remotely after the astronauts left to give a bigger seismic signal for the um, seismometer left behind to um, to analyze. Um, they were they would they would have been able to get a much better uh, better view of the moon's interior that way. But um, if they did uh, try that, then the aliens stopped them. And I remember at the time when the lunar module was coming was coming back when they used this lifeboat lifeboat was coming back and it was going to re-enter the atmosphere. The Atomic Energy Commission was just just pulling their hair out and freaking out, and their level of concern I thought was much more appropriate. They said it was due to the fact that they had a radioisotope thermoelectric generator in the Apollo Lunar Surface Experiments package, but um, 
their level of concern I thought was much more appropriate uh, to a warhead than a than an RTG coming back. Um, so I don't know what to believe on that one, but um, but it's possible that that's true. Well, back in World War II, Vannevar Bush initiated the National Defense Research Committee in the 1940s. So he organized divisions that were devoted to that type of work. I don't know if people follow the historical value of what we do, but uh, this has to do tonight with the future of AI chipping, which Steve was. Apparently I am, and Janet has been, but I believe in her nose. But uh, various ones of us are going to... Uh, be concerned with where we're going with all of us, whether we're old or new or AI or you know, in our philosophy. TJ. Yes. Yeah, where do you have your – I have several implants. Where do you have your implants? Mine are in the whole body. The only one I know about is in my back. I don't know of any others, but I was also told I was being monitored. Can you hear me? What do you think no. the purpose is? Yes. What do you think the purpose is of the one in your back? I have no idea. I don't know what they're used for because me being off planet and dying, and I can't, apparently reincarnate can't die. We we know we come back, but I don't I don't believe it'll, that this clay biological will last me any longer than anyone else's. I don't put any. Uh, I try to be very logical about all of this, but that's a good point. I just know I was very shocked because I was operated on for my neck, and I was offended when, uh, remember, Ira Pastor called me a cyborg, explained. And I was watching Sophia, the AI robot, tonight uh, from a month ago on YFI PM. I'm wondering why is it that when uh, I was off playing it and worked with people, that I seem to sometimes be offended. So I'm really glad that Steve's here tonight because he and Janet too, because Janet and Steve can talk to me about things. Uh, it's like the human and the machine interaction. And I suggest that we're here, as Bob Dean was, as a component of the future disclosure and transparency movement of the human uh Genome or the, the experiment, and having my daughter died, knowing she was alien hybrid, and uh, she had a uh, one thing in her alien, and she acquired cancer, which was benzene poisoning. And I was Janet lived through it with me, but Steve didn't. But Steve just found out about it tonight. So we're going to talk about future AI, and why would some of us know that we are alien hybrids, and why can people tell, and others treat us mean, and that we're different? So I want to get to this human machine and, and how we interact with cyberspace, if well, you don't mind. I think that um, it's interesting you mentioned that. I mean, I think we give off a different vibe, and, and people just pick up on it, and um <clears throat> And know that we're different. A lot of people have commented on that. A lot of other experiencers. And as far as the the implant in the back is concerned, I, I don't know about the one specific to you, but um, there is uh, pretty typically an implant in the uh, third uh, vertebrae region of the neck uh, in experiencers. And um, abductee reports indicate that that implant is uh, to enable them to like turn you off if you get out of hand, like they push a button someplace uh, and just paralyze you. Uh, I don't know so, about that, but I do know I have 
I've lost half the use of my neck since that. You know, I don't have full range of motion. But uh, this was after I'd already been in the government twice, and I was employed in uh, May 67 with NASA paperwork and re-upped it five years later through NASA. And uh, that was because my husband worked directly for NASA. I didn't have papers, but because I was his wife, I was told. But I was put in for clearances, and then I became ACIR. So I thought that was part of the computer intelligence community. It turned out to be Advisory Council Intergovernment or Intergovernmental Relations or something that way. But uh, it had to do with uh, cybernetics and the control and communication. And uh, I became an 85 with Star Wars and worked with Reagan and found out also I found some paperwork where I'd forgotten, but I worked uh, with Raytheon. And I, I don't know how to put all of this together ex- exactly. So the human nervous system is technologically and biologically connected in the analogies with cybernetics. So uh, you would know more about that, Steve, but I'm sure Janet would like to talk about that and the behaviors of the nervous system because uh, maybe we study with animals, but the scanning and, uh, you know, television now, now we have uh, our smartphones and our televisions and humans are doing it to humans all over the world now. So it's important so that we understand the a knowledge. couple more questions about the implants and, and location. Go ahead. You've scanned, you've scanned a lot of these, and maybe you've been able to identify. Yeah. So the one in TJ's back was, because TJ was in the military, and I think everybody in the military has been implanted. That's my theory. Going back. That, that, could be, that could be a government implant if it was in the middle of the back, and she actually lost function in her neck afterwards, because usually the alien implants are so slick that they're not going to harm you at all as far as losing right. any kind of function or anything. Well, I have uh, one behind my right ear and one in my nose, and, and I've heard that people yeah, that I, have these implants get sinusitis, and, and I have hearing loss in my right ear, and, and but I, I don't want to get it removed, and I don't know if it's, it's possible even because... Uh, well, typically so. typically people have um, have implants above one or both ears, uh, sometimes behind the ear, like you say. Those are often my moving ones. Mm-hmm. And yes, um, uh, the, I think it's standard procedure to put uh, for them to put an implant up your nose into your brain when you're around the age of five. I know I had that done. Mm-hmm. And that, partic- that particular one, they told me they told me is made of a conductive polymer. And I, I somebody gave me one that was sneezed out of somebody's nose, and I analyzed it, and it is made of a conductive polymer. But um, they also said that um, it uh, connects to. Uh, Many areas of your brain and allows them to see see what you're seeing, hear what you're hearing, and pro- probably hear your thoughts as well. And um, uh-huh. also en- enables them to at least have partial control of um, of you, like they can implant suggestions using it, for example. They're hard to ignore because you think mm-hmm. it's your idea. Um, and um, uh, that also connects you to the alien hive mind. Um, there's a huge computer system that I think is on the moon in this sector of space or in the solar system. Um, and um, it connects together all the aliens and all the abductees uh, into one um, one massive uh, system, and it stores all the uh, the experiences of your life. Um, well, DARPA there actually had a program species? like that going on. Right. I, I understand. And they they probably got the idea from the aliens. Dangerous. 
One at a time, Jane. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I want to see it up there before you go because it's like I don't think it's all the same species. We have a lot of people doing programs. And so this is the grays I'm talking there, about. There's, yeah, yeah, there's different species. The this is, this yeah, is the short, the short grays I'm talking about. They're an alliance right, of several right. similar species, by the way, not just one. Right. Um, so I didn't want to so say that all in plants and all because I think they freak out people. Um, we don't know. There's, there's, there's human ones and there's many different species doing these programs and. And yeah, there's, there's, and there's, there's definitely definitely the... human definitely human ones. They're they're usually easily easily distinguishable from the alien ones um, because they're a lot bigger and more sophisticated and have uh, silicon-based electronics rather than carbon nanotubes. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, let me go back to so anyway. So you're you have some generalities, but I I don't want to talk in absolute. But this is absolutely it. We're, we have some uh, theories and hypotheses on what these are. Uh, we've, we've noticed some patterns. We've been gathering data, but we don't have the. Well, I'm by no, I'm by no means absolutely or, certain what these things what these things do. I'm just I'm mm-hmm. just saying what other people, what myself, what they've told me and other people about what they do. Um, that's all. Well, let's talk about your Wait, who's the day that told you this? Where you? What's your source of information? Who's the day that um, told you this information? Other experiencers, and I remember, as okay, far as the implant, I, I remember, I remember distinctly them telling me uh, uh, what they did at one point. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. so we have experiencers at our different levels. I just want to go over that. Um, we have some that are yep. kind of like um, not in the loop, they're kept unconscious, they don't know what's going on. You even encounter some experiences that are being told things. Now, just because they're an alien doesn't mean that they're telling the truth 100% of the time. So some of no, they don't. They, they don't. They don't tell. They don't tell the truth 100 percent of the time. Sometimes they they say they say what they need you to hear in order to get you to do what they want you to do. Uh, but um, right. it's like our military would do. They're like a high tech foreign military, in my opinion. Um, right. Well, that is the ones I've been associated with. Ghosts and angels and all them. None of them. Never, none of them tell us the truth 100 percent of the time. So just because it's a source that's outside yourself doesn't mean it's. Uh, you know the truth or your truth. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that it is 100 percent true. I'm no, just saying that's not. what I've heard. I know you're not. I'm just saying it for the benefit of our listeners. That um, I know some people say, "Well, they told me and God told me," but we don't know. We don't know who these voices are. Oh, interdimensional, extraterrestrial, ghost, God, whatever. None of us know, but at this point, none well, of us and, know anything. Well, I, 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 I'm pretty, I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure in my own mind that it, that it's probably true. Most likely, it's true. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said it. But, but I don't know for sure. Of course, I would, I'd be, I'd be a fool to stick my neck out that far. Um, well, yeah, we, just, well, we, we, we don't know, science. we don't know for sure what they do. This is a new science, oh. folks, that we're getting into in general terms. The people that will at least admit that uh, we understand everybody at the God's source is, you know, in the beginning, and, and then there's waves and universes and multiverses and dimensions and realms. And the closest we've gotten in the past was quantum physics, quantum mechanics. But uh, you've got to realize in the UFO business, we've been working on uh, paper, at least, yeah. that I know about yeah. since World War II yeah. with Vannevar Bush. That's why I yeah, brought certain, up World War II. Certain, certainty is a really difficult commodity to come by in this field. I mean, we have to work like intelligence officers and just go by bits and pieces and scraps of information and synthesize all we can from this thin information we've got. But um, um, 
I think we uh, we have serious. enough to probably to see to see more or less what's what's going on at this point. Um, yeah, it's called harmonic um, analysis and computer uh, operational equations, but constructing a general theory is what we're trying to do because at this point on the planet, especially in cyberspace, we realize time and space is not what we thought it was in the past, and uh, we're doing everything we can to explore photons now in nature. And we wonder why, if we're all alien to this planet anyway, why are we bothering to break it down in various social cultures and folklore, especially in communities of physiologists and social scientists and physicians, which uh, we have the uh, this group breaking it down from ufology to alienology, and that's not really the history and the origins. So we have ancient cultures and ancient origins as well. And I'm doing my best to help uh, informal groups because uh, the government has aligned us to all work free in cyberspace around the world with our smartphones now. So, and before long, I wanted to talk about chipping tonight. And that's, people are actually getting chips in government, corporate, and Jan, we can talk on Lawrence Spencer's story as well of Ariel, but uh, engineering systems and the engineers, scientists, engineers, and people like Steve, scientists, but it doesn't mean that you're throwing away the human use of biologicals, only that it's being incorporated. And so we may be versions of ourselves that have been, and we know we don't need these. So what generation of human aliens in space need us to be chipped? That doesn't make sense. Now, we can talk about those, uh, each one of us. There's only three of us here, but we're all, uh, I don't want to be fuzzy about it. I'd like to have some type of uh, grounding unification of our ambitions for doing this show. And Steve, uh, with you, we're all independent authors. And you like to use a scientific approach in organizing your thoughts. And uh, Janet and I do it more yeah. from a journalist standpoint because uh, so, all TJ, three of wait, us are authors. TJ, you just put questions. Let me answer it. You put a question out there. I put a um, question out there? Uh, yes, you did. You said, let's talk about the shipping. So let's, 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 okay. uh, let's do that before we move on. Because we need to, you know, not just put up a question, but let's put some answers out there. So um, okay. do you remember what you were asking? What were you asking about chipping? You said, I really want to know, and then you uh, why biological people are being why, why biologics. Yeah. Why? Well, biologicals such as Steve, you, and I are very familiar with the programs inside us as humanity in general. And yet there's those of us being reincarnated over and over again as uh the Buddha, Krishna, whoever, the blue people, uh, as he talked about ancient aliens with Atlantis, Bob Dean. Bob Dean understood this, but he couldn't prove it. So we're looking for proof. So Steve is on here because he's bringing up the fact that we have been chipped or alien implanted. And now they're yeah, starting to do people in the 3D reality with corporations, especially in Sweden, Some, most of them so in let, their let, hands. Let, um... Let's okay, see, talk about put it. his theory out there, because yeah, because you're just saying generalities. Let's get into the specifics. Well, I think the, see, the, the, alien, the aliens, the aliens, the aliens chip uh, people to um, 
monitor them just like we monitor our astronauts. Um, I think their um, their implants came from their space program a long time ago, and they, they're much more sophisticated than anything we have. Um, and they they want to they want to know where their their subject is and what their physiological state is. They can get data from their their sensory systems, um, hear what they're thinking, um, and be able to exert some um, some degree of control over them. That's that's, the, that's why they do it. Government chips people for totally different reasons. Um, uh, some of the same ones, uh, tracking their whereabouts being one of them. Um, but um, uh, I think they also want to. Um, Institute some universal uh, economic uh, uh, system to, uh, like, put a credit card in your, your in your body to monitor uh, financial transactions. That's what I understand, anyway. Yeah, it, it never made sense to me that, well, they had this decree: go forth, be fruitful, multiply, and yet there's no provisions for people who are. So how to take care of them. It's kind of like giving birth to babies and sticking it on the sidewalk and expecting to take care of itself. The, the, the infrastructure is not set up. So then they do this, um, you know, we, we chip our animals, right? We, we chip our wildlife. We want to know what they're doing. We monitor things. We, oh, the, the, we those chips they put in animals, those, those RFID chips cause cancer, by the way. Uh, a lot of people right. don't know so that. Don't know. So they cause cancer. These people, these people too, who are getting I mean, RFID chips are are, you know, are asking for trouble health wise right now. Um, right. And, most and likely, I think the, the alien chips gave me sinusitis my whole life, so that's caused a lot of problems in my life. You know, I don't think even the alien yeah. technology is 100. percent I've I've heard stories from experiencers that they, you know, they return some stuff people and some of them die. You know. So it's not 100%. With I think they've had trial and error. They're doing better now, but I think in the beginning that they, even the ETs, had a couple oops here and there, you know? So. Yeah. But, uh, they, 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 overall, they definitely what make mistakes. Yeah, so Go Steve, ahead. what would be the pros and the cons of chipping? So let's just take it uh, logically. And of course, we don't know all the reasons why it is. Well, I guess, uh, I, guess I guess the I guess the pro I guess the pros would be that if you you could be rescued if you got lost and into a dangerous situation, uh, whereas um, uh, you might not be otherwise. Um, and there could be a lot of pros if you trust the people that chipped you. Um, and um, if you it, it's a it would be a must if you had uh, some sort of. Um, expedition going on space or uh, otherwise uh, people in remote places um, to see if they're uh, monitor their state of health and see if they're getting sick or overworked or whatever the case might be. Um, the cons are that you you lose a lot of privacy and personal freedom if you're chipped. Um, but um, I don't. Right. I really don't right. see the need. I really don't see the need for corporations to chip people, uh, or the government, or our government either, either for that matter. I, I'm, I'm against that. I'll, I, I'll allow, allow aliens to do it because I really have no choice, and because they're totally off this planet anyway, and out of our sphere of influence. But uh, I'm not going to willingly allow the government to do it, Jimmy. I heard that they, and this is from people coming to me that have been. They discovered they were chipped. That the moment you get a shot, they can put in the nanotechnology, and you're everybody who's ever had their skin pierced, whether it's a intravenous or a shot, 
Um, Only you know, whatever, anything, everybody. They have have RFID chip the size of a grain of sand now that they can do that with. Uh, You're right. So I think that if you were born into a modern society, like not out in the bush, but born into a modern society, that you're chipped already. And that wasn't volunteer. We didn't sign up for that. But I think that that's, uh, we're in a society that we're already chipped. Well, maybe. Well, I want to be known as a. I don't want to be just known as a hybrid or a chips or a cyborg. So why do I take offense? Uh, we're part of the space program and the medicine, and my daughter that went through the study of her alien artifact in her that they couldn't find, and, and uh, it was in her blood, and they studied her blood, and the Nordics were described, you know, working with uh, her and uh, different John Hopkins and Mayo Clinic and all you know, all the ones in Houston and Florida, but she's gone. I'm still here, and I don't like that. I, my husband, so he you, came here she to die. Who asked the question, she who asked the question has the answer. So ask yourself that. Why do you, yeah, and then tell us what you get. Well, I agreed to be part of that program and to have her as uh, knowing that I'm, uh, reincarnate from, I guess one would say Avatar Master, but that doesn't make me feel any better about it. Doesn't, you know, we we're not performing magic down here. We're performing, you know, beings that go to other planets. But uh, it, it's very hard to be evasive when you're predicting the future of humankind. When I know that we're already dealing with uh, functions on earth that those have souls and those that do not have souls. And that was part of my message this time as a messenger. So it comes back, uh, I always want to go to the highest, but Janet, you make me be the best of morally, philosophically, for technology's sake, break it down to a response to you, and it's not easy. So. I just asked the beings I worked with in space where they were from, right? And then Tom would let us talk about God because they said God has always been. So I don't know if they were Anunnaki or not or Anu, if we were the key or those on the heaven. I guess I am on the planet now. And I know a lot of people in science and the history, like Bob Dean, wanted to talk about Atlantis, Lemuria, just like Eve said. I mean, I have a book called either New Atlantis or Atlantis. Mine's called Atlantis New Beginning. Now, isn't that strange? And I don't try to sell it. I don't, I've don't. i never sold one. I've got them out there on Lulu. But all it is is a lot of stuff that I've thought for years are put out there uh, because I wanted to be able to come back and embrace my history in the way that I thought of it with a simple mind. But my roots are in space. So, Janet, you tell me. How do we go forward? This this was Steve. Steve is very aware that we, some of us have uh, agreed that we're hybrids, including himself, in this field. But also, we're here to talk about AI and the future of souls versus no souls. At least I am. So where do we go? So what is AI? Let's look at what is AI. Steve, what is AI in your mind? Artificial intelligence. Um, but... Um, so far, uh, so far, it's my understanding that in the final analysis, all these systems that they've they've touted as AI, uh, when they're when they're subjected to extensive tests, just end up to be being a fancy lookup table. Uh, and um, 
I question whether whether true AI is possible using silicon silicon based conventional chip electronics and digital architecture. Um, I know the aliens the aliens don't uh, don't don't have and don't use AI either because it's not possible or because it's too dangerous. It would be highly dangerous to create true AI. Um, science fiction is full of uh, stories about um, about uh, machines that usurp their um, their inventors, and I think that that might be absolutely true if um, AI if true we AI were invented. AI. We use it in space all the time. As a matter of fact, is the it, ship is it, is that it, Janet real, and I can tell real, you about. Is it real, is it real yes. AI? I would say probably not. I mean, it's um, where we got the, so the – look at Roswell. I can tell you the one we used, Galaxy Universal Shuttle, is Gus. Well, anyway, and it's, he it's, knew it's my, he was my, created. It's my, it's, my con, it's my contention. I could be wrong that, that it's probably not possible to create true AI, a machine that can actually think and create for itself. Uh, using current computer architecture, I think that um, in order to do that, it would have to be a biological system with components on the molecular scale level, which could interact with the quantum vacuum and the universal mind, mind of God, well, or whatever you want to call it. I don't think that's it. possible. You think that's possible, Steve? That's what you're calling real AI. That's a good definition. So don't you think uh, more evolved, higher evolved species could create real AI? Yes, I think I think yes, I think I think that real I think that real mechanic. Let me clarify this. I think that real mechanical AI is probably possible, but not with current computer architecture that we use. That's all I'm saying. Oh no! Right. Yeah. No, this is totally different, Steve. This was created in space, but we don't give uh, that that part of me that talks from a higher. Self, it does not. I know that what I was trained to know off planet is not the same knowledge I walk around in human form. So, do you have I, that degree of separation? And I'll explain to you about Gus uh, as far as how he was made in space. But go ahead, Steve. What are you going to say? Well, I, I feel like I've been downloaded with uh, quite a bit of information from from the aliens, and I. Yeah, I think I think it's possible with with uh, different computer architecture with tiny molecular level components, and um, I think that in order to be truly intelligent, it has to connect to the quantum vacuum and be a, a quantum computer or whatever you want to call it. Possibly with using carbon nanotubes as uh, as components, or they're working on that here here now. But I don't think silicon chips are are going to cut it as far as that goes. Um, and um, yeah, these are carbon based. And, uh, I think that um, I think I think that that uh, true AI would be incredibly dangerous, and I hope, I hope humans never get it uh, if, if it is if it is uh, doable. And um, it would think a million times faster than you, and it would have a perfect memory. I mean, how dangerous would that be? Um, we already have. Certainly, that. you shouldn't. I just don't think people know that. But uh, they simply play with the ones they allow people to know about. But if we already have it, and we use it. In space and on the planet, so it's already here. If it's carbon-based, that makes that makes total sense to me. Um, I think you, you might be able to do that using uh, the alien type of carbon nanotube uh, network electronics. Does that make because those are molecular scale? But if that if we're cyborgs or we're implanted, does that make us 
I mean, I feel totally human. I was born of a mother, at least part of me. But this, the people that uh, I guess one would say back in the Bible, if you want to say angels or gods, or I don't know that humans have got the proper uh, God code with numbers, symbols, and sound to uh, say it in the Hebrew language or what we study in the uh, Kabbalah or my upbringing was strictly, you know, in America. But we believe in God and Jesus and, you know, all the symbols and sounds. And I heard you mention Jesus earlier. So I have the same programming in culture, in social community, uh, where I was born, you know, in Louisiana. But that doesn't mean that I'm not aware of my time and space that doesn't exist in a time series. Uh Presented by these other beings off planet. So how do we? Well, how, do we how do we? How do we? How do we know what other humans feel like? I mean, I um, um, I feel like my emotions are somewhat different than normal humans. But um, yeah, how you feel about that? Let's but. go into that. Janet, nervous system, and I know that emotions was my last. Uh, this is why I didn't want to come back and be with my family, Janet, because while I was right. in the government, I was protected. I, I was protected, and they protected me in and out of country. But when you go uh, came back to the country, this country, uh, the United States of America, and you're on planet, then they they can't really protect you. But remember, Tom wanted to come back to this planet, Earth, Gaia, whatever you want to call it to be. He wanted to die, or in other words, transcend or ascend into his other self, his higher self. But I got to see him die and his uh, spirit went in. Some went to a little gray person, some to a human and some, I don't know where it went. I guess it went back to the ship. And then later on in dreams or in those other things we call uh, interdimensional thought transfers, uh, they're spontaneous in my other life. So I don't know how to talk. Is uh, People in theosophical society believe in interdimensional with the, uh, they're even bringing back that the density allows for vibrations and threads, like on a CD or disc, in this reality. So they call those. They have names. They have uh, sounds and symbols. I don't know that they have numbers. They use gematria, uh, sort of an old code uh, with numbers so T- to T- talk T- about let's that. Let's take this down a little bit. You're going down a bunch of trying. right now. I'm- I'm back with your with the, your husband. I'm stuck back where your husband died, okay? And you said that he went, part of him went into a grave, part of him went. So one of the theories, and I, I know Simon Park says that our souls come from different uh, uh, parts of the, you know, Blenters, and he, says, he, says, he says, I'm part gray, I'm part human, I'm part gray, so I'm part of whatever. Uh, I don't know what his configuration is. And then I talked to uh, Cynthia Crawford. And Cynthia Crawford said uh, on, a, on a biological level that her dad confessed to her that she was, and, and she had three or four different species into her her body that she was living out of her life. And then she, she said Simon Park is still alive. But people have said that their souls can be different splinters or different fractals of different species, and their body can be composed of genetic material from different species. So I think I'm getting enough reports from people in there. And, you know, when you look at somebody that close up and you're having a personal conversation, they're not lying, right? You can tell by the body language. So just 
they believe what they're saying. I don't know if it's not true, but they believe what they're saying. So you said, and you just gave me a, a, a clue. You said that your husband went, when he when you saw him leave, you saw him go into his soul, uh, what, the composition of his soul, what his soul was composed of. And that correlates with the Dr. Michael Newton Institute Information of Life to Life. And, and he says that we are fractals, we are multidimensional beings, we have simultaneous lives in many forms in many different worlds. Now, this material has been gathered from over 40,000 progression, progression sessions over the last 40 to 50 years, and from people from clients all over the world. So they've been, they've been creating a database and correlating it as best they can do. And that, in some level, is uh, at least uh, proof. Um, so, what were the species that, that uh, Tom became? You said he became a gray. What else? Well, I know that he was a, a plasma being or cloud being, and he had uh, visited those in space. And when I died, and I know that I, you go, sometimes you go through the stars and then you go through the various levels of universes. And he couldn't talk like me, so, but he could talk like something out of Stargate to the cosmos where there were uh, cloud beings, you know. And like here in Gulf Breeze, whenever there's a... a well, when I saw the what do you mean the spiding, talk like you. What do you what do you mean by talking he, like you? What but, do you mean he couldn't? Well, I don't know how Steve talks. I'm just that's why I wanted him on the show with you and me. I want to know how to talk about the animal and the machine, and how we're going to talk about multi dimensions, and that there are beings, and that some of us work with them on and off planet, and that well, it's important it. for people okay. to understand. Uh, there are dimension and the theosophical society i'm not part of that by the way folks our unity consciousness or the church unity but there is no language that i know of med, med, speaking scientifically in the medical field or the neuroscience or phenomenology pseudoscience i'm looking for engineering terms maybe uh i'm looking for a way to talk uh, to Steve, you you know me pretty well, but maybe not. Well, just all ask the questions. Don't, don't get bogged down in the details. Just well, Steve, how would you? Talk? Yeah, that's a questions. good idea. Steve, ultimately, if you know that we're approaching a time when, in uh, uh, not genetically, metaphysically, in social metaphysics, when we're uh, Using general systems theory, system engineering, and molecular structure, you know, biology. And you know that if we can now do uh, biocarbon-based uh, thinking in a side, but we're, we, we know we have a soul because we came through a womb, but yet we know a part of us is cybernetic. Is that prior AI in me or... Describe yourself. You know you're being downloaded. I do. So how, uh, we're supposed to I've, communicate what we know. What I've got several uh, several alien uh, chips in me, I have reason to believe, and I, I have reason to believe I'm connected to the alien hive mind and uh, get downloaded information from them uh, periodically. And um, sometimes they seem to put thoughts in my head, or, or uh, at least I feel their presence. And um, uh, I've had uh, things, you know, suggestions appear that uh, that I can recognize are 
are uh, from outside, like a like it's like a computer interface to the mind almost. I think most abductees have that, whether they realize it or not. It's pretty subtle, but uh, you can recognize that it's there once you know what to look for. Right. So we do have downloads, but that's the only common word, like Raymond Moody or that group, uh, Tom Campbell with Interdimensional, are thinking that we're all inside a matrix, that this is all an illusion. There's all types of theories. No one prove it, though. I don't believe this is an illusion, but I think it's just... <laughs> I think it's it's real on some level for sure. Um, well, if information is um, just a flow of noise and a feedback to the overall uh, intelligence, AI, or all of those that are humanity, is AI? Do you do you follow Tom Campbell's theory of everything by chance? The, the mm, big toe? No. Doesn't ring a bell. You're not familiar with Tom Campbell? All right. Well, look up Tom Campbell on YouTube. Uh, Janet uh, Janet followed Newton Institute and had Raymond Moody on. So uh, I'm going for that we are uh, biologicals, but we are have some AI. Now, Steve, I've worked on board ships with the ones that get folded out and the machines come down, but they believe they are created by the creators. But they do have the carbon-based nanotube. So uh, they're not known, but they were at Area 51. That's why I was interested in your story of Jeremy Corbell. I don't know how much he knows about, but through Bob uh, Lazar or Rick Doty. I don't, Rick Doty worked at Area 51. Do you know Rick Doty in the Air Force? I've heard, I've, I've heard of him, yeah. I don't know him. See, I don't know how much I'm supposed to put each thread based on uh, historical values because I've got Dr. Bruce McAbee, Don Berliner, Jan Aldrich, and uh, Rick Doty are old names. And then there's many others, Roger Moore. But I know that I'm supposed to help pave the uh, communication because my husband was in charge of weapon systems for Ronald Reagan, and I was in charge of communication because I was a psychic. So Janet came along and was interested in me psychically and came to my psychic network. or my uh, We had Spiritual World Network, and we had your spiritual center. But I believe she was brought into our uh, secret space program through the uh, Stargate, but now a lot of people don't recognize it because we were second wave through Stanford Institute uh, contracts in Hawaii with intelligence community. Janet, explain that to Steve and see if he can find a way to talk about, well, he may I'm, even I'm be a part of what we were. I'm trying to figure out, I want to stay with the AI and not stuff for a little bit. Cause well, isn't that part of the AI? Yeah. Because we're supposed to learn to use the human heart. I can only speculate on my programming. I can I can figure out who I am in, in relationships. I mean, all you can do is, is go inward and, and meditate and pray and connect and, and do different Yeah, now you're pulling it and reconnect what I do. <laughs> but, and that's what I do. You're running. It's confusing. Who who am I? Well, go, and then and so let's stop doing that because it's yeah, scary. Nobody's going to be able to track it. It's hard to evaluate. It's hard to evaluate. Right? Let's just do one thing. Okay, let's just do one thing. AI is us. Wait, wait, stop, 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 stop. Okay, because I'm getting so confused. 
I and mean, I know your listeners are probably getting Steve probably getting cute. I mean, okay, cute. well you be the last thing topics at one time. <laughs> Let's just do one topic at a time, because otherwise it's a, quite a fancy and a, a, a lots of thoughts. Well, there's a unifying framework. All right. Well, so I'm trying Steve to knows about Let's biocarbon nanotubes. Okay, so let's do one topic and let's do AI and let's break it down a little bit. And I've totally lost what we're going because there's just too many words. And it's Bio, my brain. Janet, AI, <laughs> biocarb. Janet, I'm trying to talk about Gus to Steve. Okay, that. So stop. Stop. Okay. That I've got something I can wrap on. So I had a ship come down and land on my porch. Not land on it, but covered. It said, I'm not going to land on your porch. I'll break your porch. So he hovered. it hovered. And I was having what I thought it was a cold. And this is full daylight. I was on the phone with TJ, and this ship was communicating with me. And, um, and then finally it said, well, I'm not. I said, what, what beings are in the ship? Is this the grave? Oh, no, no, I am the ship. So the ship was communicating with me. And, and it wasn't the first time. So TJ worked with a ship which they called Gus. And Gus is the Roswell craft. They, there was one delivered and one that crashed, so they had two crafts. And the one that was delivered was a, a, a Trojan horse. It was delivered intentionally and took, taken inside. Because like somebody said earlier that they monitor us. They have a grid. Yeah, it's part of the grid. And in the first week of, uh, of July 1947, they delivered five crafts in different locations, like... Um, um, Australia, one for each you know, the yeah, one for each continent, major. So anyway, um, so they have a grid, and it's intelligence. And TJ's worked closely with Gus. It's been on the craft, and the craft uh, doesn't have a pilot. It's, uh, but you can pilot it, right? You integrate by putting your hands into the the hole. Well, you don't have to. Yeah, I'd like to talk about the human part versus the nanocarbon base. But, uh, Steve, a lot of people wanted to know what I knew, but it wasn't time. A lot of people that were engineers and worked uh, here, down here even, engineers for the government. But you're in nanotechnology, so, of course, I'd like to discuss it with uh, your nanotechnology. That's what you're working on, right, nanowork? dot com or something yeah i i worked for um for several years on uh carbon nanotubes um at uh, a commercial uh company and I'm, I'm trying to start my own company to manufacture and modify uh carbon nanotubes at the present time and um i'd like to say too that the aliens are extremely into uh nanotechnology it appears to be old technology to them um I've seen things on board ship that are, are obviously products of nanotechnology, like, um, for example, with a lot of the ships, uh, there's no doors. The, the metal actually opens up whenever you want to you know, um, pass through. And, um, like, uh, articles of furniture or couches, et cetera, tables can just, they can they can push a button somewhere or just think about it, and the, the metal will move and form whatever uh, object they, they want formed. Um and um, you can't, you couldn't do that without nanotechnology. Um, well, shouldn't we uh, practice speaking to people like you? Are you with me since I've worked off planet? With uh, is it time? Because 
I believe we're supposed to discuss interdimensional uh, for space and time now before I leave my uh, clay body decays. I, I don't know because they'll just send me back again, but uh, should we discuss in the future alienology or where will where will reincarnates go in the uh, narrative? Where will reincarnates go? Uh, uh, in nanotechnology. Well, I'm not in nanotechnology, okay, I'm not so, sure what it, what reincarnation has to do with nanotechnology, but uh, so uh, because we're carbon-based. You're, you're saying that, okay, let me see if I can decipher this. So you're saying, you're asking, you're concerned that, it, that it's time to reveal this information. Because CJ's had this information. She's been holding, her husband didn't want to release it, and she's been... Uh, Part of her wants to reveal it, the other part is ambivalent, and that's why it never got out. Um, you mean the, inf- it, the information like about, their, about, about there being carbon-based intel- AI computers? Or no, about, about Roswell Craft and her, and her involvement in the program, oh. Oh, okay. and her husband's right. involvement okay. in the program. Well, well it's, it's old with the new. It's ancient culture with new thought teaching in the communication system that's carbon-based, but we're human-machine-controlled interaction. Does that sound okay, so normal? Break that you know, break it down. It's only a bunch of words. It's I don't know how. Okay, so then that's why I need to see. I'm going to try to decipher it. Yeah, okay, that's, so that's certainly possible. That you are and a different it kind of rings a bell, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're a carbon-based life talking. form? CJ, are you a carbon-based life form? Is that what you're telling yes. me? Yes. That's who you really are? Okay. Of course. Are, and so you're AI. And I think that I think I it's didn't like say that. Well, I, here's my theory. This is, I, it's a systems we approach. Earlier today, right? We were talking earlier about um, that show. What was it called? Emergence or something? That a young woman, so young, young girl. Uh, yeah, emergent. a young woman. <laughs> oh, oh Lord. On, Yeah, but I'm it's not on Netflix right I, now. Let me just yes. let me say the theory. I, I okay, watched that with Galactica again. And it's like, oh my God, okay. maybe that's what's really going on. See, what is AI? What is our, and so the point of the show is the, the little girl, you know, so she's artificial. What does that mean? What's real? What's artificial? You know, so if there, it's very possible that we already are AI, but there's a high level, but it's undetectable. Who knows how our bodies get formed? But we have bodies, and they're formed. And we go in and out of bodies, apparently, and we have inca- it's like Avatar. And Scientists we can make go bodies. In. And that's the other thing. Right? We were talking about the ships and, the, and their quality. I have been on board right. a ship or been to a place, and and they say, well, you know, we all just created it for the convenience of us to have something to look at, seats to sit on, you know, and 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 then once we leave, it disappears. It doesn't need to be there anymore. Our thoughts are creating this ship or this planet. And I said, wow. And then I heard that from um, George Cavasillis, who said the same thing years ago. Uh, he said the same thing. And so it's like we're getting similar information. And then you're saying that, you know, every, you know metal opens it. It doesn't have to be like 3D human life when we make a chair and it sits there for 100 years before it falls apart, right? It can be something that's just there for the moment. So the trying, we're trying to speak with uh, 
without formulation of uh, being superseded. It's called the grand unifying theory for uh, AI. But yet there's a vision that comes through living organisms and carbon base. But remember, Gus said the creators created him. But yet we have uh, ancient or archaic ways of being ultimately defined as an experience so the human-based organisms can interact because without interaction, there's no experience. So that's my conundrum, is I don't have the human uh, expressions to communicate what I want to because uh, my nervous system overrides my vision. Does that make sense, Steve? Steve does nanotechnology. Does your nervous system override your vision? Um, Uh Uh-huh. And no, I can't say I totally understand that statement. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, my emotions um, will cut me off. Remember how you said there's a cutoff switch? There's oh, an yeah. internal emergence that happens inside my body that my nervous system uh, will stress out. Uh, they okay, say that I can't hold all the data or all the energy, but we don't call it mm-hmm. downloads. But I've worked with the ships, but I can. Uh, incorporate and run the ship. It can run without me or with me. I'm called a commander, but when I'm on ship. Now, I've seen things in space that can't be proven here, but I've been told that those of us that may be considered godlike or demigods, if you will, for lack of saying anything else, because it's fuzzy meaning when you talk about myths and legends, right? But military, mm-hmm. they wanted us for weapon exchange. And we're, the communications, they make those that communicate, but we can't destruct. We can't self-implode. And this was the concern Sorry, are, of the military. Are you, are you programmed to interact with alien, alien equipment uh, telepathically? I know most alien equipment is thought-controlled. Yes. I'm sure so okay. are you. And so is Janet. Yeah. It's I just I have, that, yeah. first, I have firsthand information that me and Janet didn't know if it was important or not, and it's being uh, malfunctioned due to uh, lack of transparency and disclosure. It, it seems to be that people with money and greed want to interrupt the signal processes for their own greed. And we, we've learned there's informal groups. Tom called them factions. Uh, other factions in the universe. Some look like dwarf and uh, big apes that are out there, and some look like white albinos with red eyes, or and some look like Chinese real tall. Now, we try not to go into fear of anything inside this program as cyborgs or AI or cybernetics, but hasn't the word AI taken over the word since the lick lighter was on board, because I was introduced during the time of the 40s when Jay uh, Licklider started and became the director of DARPA, Licklider's research program. Do you remember that in the field of AI with cybernetic vision? You remember, Jay? I've got, I got yeah, lost yeah, you saying. I got lost, TJ. Why don't you ask one question at a time? And let us answer it. All right. Let's go down. I don't know. One question at a time. Right. 
All right, let's talk about Gus in the 40s. Uh, are you familiar with uh, the 40s at all, Steve? Yeah, somewhat. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, so what about... Right, about so a lot about World War II. All right, well, okay, at that time, question. the communication would be, we can create uh, the reality that people know and can see as what one might call a UFO for a limited amount of time and can come and go from those clouds Janet was asking me about that Tom interacted with. Vapor people is another word for them. You know how we say dark shadows mm. or shadow people in yeah, uh, metaphysics? Yeah, I've heard of those, yeah. yeah. Those are real. Those are intelligent. Yeah, I, I know. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, why don't we let him ask us questions? Do you have any nanotechnology questions about people that have had interface with other humans off planet? Do I have any nanotechnology questions? Yeah, that maybe they uh, provided you with. Oh, maybe um, you. I knew right away. I knew right away that those carbon nanotubes I found in in my my implant uh, uh, were um, the electronics of the device, and um, uh, I think I, I I I didn't have to think about it too hard because I already knew the answer because I, they already told me. That's one example. I guess. All right. So you know. Um, so tell us what you know about carbon nanotubes. Um. Well. Um, uh, mostly, there's 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 several types of carbon nanotubes. There's um, there's uh, multi-wall that have um, uh, different size tubes, one within the other, and those are usually fairly large diameter as as these things go, um, maybe um, between 10 and 100 nanometers. Um, a nanometer is a billionth of a meter, and um, uh, to give you an idea, it's about uh, a nanometer is about a thousand times uh, uh, smaller than a human hair. And it's also about uh, about 10 atoms wide. Um, so um, uh, multi-wall nanotubes are about uh, they're like they're like they're like nested inside each other like Chinese or, or uh, Russian dolls, and um, they're uh, about 10 to 100 nanometers in diameter, and can have like as many as 10 or 12 uh, nanotubes nested inside. And first of all, a carbon nanotube is a um, it's a uh, two-dimensional uh, array of um, hexagonal array of carbon atoms, uh, like uh, like a chicken wire, you know, like a chicken wire type pattern, where all the um, carbon atoms share electrons in a, a pi bonding uh, network. And if you take that, that's, you that's, balls, that's, that's right? actually that's actually a sheet of. Um, well, if you well if you if you if you fold it up into a round shape, that's a buckyball. If you fold it in, 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 into a sphere, if you fold it up into a cylinder, that's a carbon nanotube. And if you, if you just flatten it out, that's a sheet of graphite. So, um, well, so you they're call all related. The so uh, you what? have a photon interface? What? Do you have a photon interface in your uh, your electric spin? You, you understand the photon interface. It drives I think they use photon interfaces um, more in in ships than they do in implants. Um, I know they use um, they use uh, carbon or uh, rather uh, fiber optics um, in uh, in their craft because um, they're immune to radio interference. Uh, whereas if they use wiring, um, that might be highly susceptible to uh, radio interference uh, from the drive. Yeah, but um, they can. These anti-gravity drives generate a lot of radio interference. 
But they they operate lower. They tune them to 250 hertz or below, right? AHC. So they have a less on their spin. And right now in the photons, they just know they go up or down or left or right. They're just now in uh, quantum physics understanding the spin of, of two directions. Or on, they call it on and off, right? They don't understand yet. Is that what you understand in the trenches? Well, I know photons have a photons have an angular momentum of, of plus or minus one, so they have a, they definitely have a spin. That's what you mean. But um, uh, yeah, they call it up or I down. Mean, on yeah, it, it, or it's, it's always up, spin one, is always up up or down relative to whatever field is in the area. Usually, a magnetic field. Um, there's no yeah. set uh, direct the set direction of spin in the absence of an external field in quantum mechanics. Well, are we supposed to are you going to help with the uh, the future of AI and how they're going to exchange uh, the gates, so to speak, or in and out, or up or down, or electron electron quadrant, or anything? Are they still working on? I don't. Uh, I don't think helping with AI is my my primary function. I mean, <laughs> they they told me that I'm here to help with some sort of big. Um, uh, big event that's going to occur in the future that will involve a lot of uh, population reduction, natural disasters, stuff like that. Um, oh, you're going with the natural process. Well, at that time, uh, have you been uh, supplementary induced, or are they detuning you? Are they up tuning you, or up spin or down spin, so to speak, in photons? Do you know what they're doing? In your I felt for a while like I'm, like I felt for a while like I'm being prepared for something. You know, a lot of a lot of people have said the same thing. Um, uh, I know they put a they put in, apparently a new brain implant in me a few years ago, um, and uh, that they kind of made a mistake on that one. Uh, Janet was talking about how they make medical mistakes sometimes to cause medical problems. I, I had a nosebleed from that so bad that uh, I lost like a pint of blood and had to go to the hospital. Um, and the the hole in my sinuses took about a month to heal. Um, yeah, they so, broke um, my whole face. I have uh, when I was a child, I had all five bones around my nose replaced, so I had plastic surgery. Uh, so I I had to learn how to rebreathe, but I'd already died, so I'd already been to White Sands by the time, uh, you know, with uh, my uncles that worked over there. How did you um, break your face? Wait, wait, stop. Don't go past it. Tell us more on that story. I hadn't heard that one. Tell us what happened. Yeah, uh, my sister had her face broke, too. Oh, I was just, I was big into sports, and a, and a uh, softball is a, it's like a, a big ball, but it's not like the baseball, which is small. The softball's bigger, and we played that in the backyard one summer, and it came down and hit my face, and it, my face exploded and broke uh, my forehead, my two cheekbones, my nose. There's five, so it must have been my teeth. Yeah, it bled. Softballs are actually supposed to be be safer, too. Wow. Yeah, but I had to, I always always used, I was really good with uh, stuff, but I had my hand glove up over my head, and I'd done it many times. But for some reason, I saw a bright flash of white light before it happened, and uh, I knew that was when you die, because I died. And uh, that I, later on, it turns out that's when the aliens come and visit you. <laughs> but uh, uh, the the baseball came down and broke, our softball broke my face. 
But anyway, I had to wear a catcher's face thing with screws in the nose in the hospital. But I've never been able to smell properly. What did that? What made you think it was the ETs that did that? Um, I had already died and had communication with angels or beings. I I knew that I would live through it because all this blood came out, and then in the bathroom, it flooded the bathroom all the way out. It scared everybody, the woman and her children, where it was at. My mother was at work. It was another death experience. But uh, it just happened the way it did. But I've learned the signs. But so it when, was, you, uh, when, you were, when you were dying with that, you, you connected to a previous memory of dying and you're dying experience. Yeah, I connect with a different frequency. Yeah, it's called nature so communication. Right. So you're, you're you, the you same learn to deal when with you're, death. When you're dying, that you have extraterrestrial contact. Yeah, Whitney Stryver says he melts right. off his wife, but a lot of people have described being on board ship and they see um, their deceased people, their friends and family, and, uh, on board ship a lot of times. So, you know, so I, yeah, I think that's what I'm looking time. for. I'm looking. I'm fishing for information on how to work with uh, the future in Steve with nanotechnology and carbon-based units. When you know that you have references, but you don't know how to quantify or communicate. So they called it. Uh, it's training for life-death experiences. So we have. Uh, it has to do with the word nano and the future coherence of properties in the, the quantum states with biologicals because we're carbon-based, right? So you have to understand how uh, – well, I know how to interface with the ships. But see, it used to not be talked about. So, Janet, you and I are introducing through Portal Stargate and with Steve uh, the future of AI in, in nanotechnology. Isn't that right, Steve? Isn't that what you're showcasing in your latest book? Tell us, tell us about your book. Um, my book's going to be um, a survival manual for um, for class two, what I call class two experiencers. Um, you mentioned before uh, that there's experiencers at different levels, and I I totally agree with that. Um, class one experiencers are people that they just kind of take samples from and and don't interact with other than that, and um, they're usually too um, too scared to come forward with their experiences. But uh, class two experiencers are people that they they uh, implant and train and make part of their organization. And um, class two experiencers usually get get abducted uh, or taken aboard craft uh, uh, much more frequently. And um, uh, it's my working hypothesis that most of us are genetically modified or hybrids, if you will. And um, um, there's just a lot what of differences. What about communication? And, uh, Have a level like me that's like a uh, known yeah. carbon-based or hybrid technology communicator that is in research. It's complex. We're very complex units. Well, there's a lot more Our communication carbon. going on between class two experiencers and the aliens than, than class one, if that's what you mean. Uh, um, but anyway, my yeah, book's I'm actually about, a, uh, I'm called a four. Coping with all this. I'm called a four. So right. can you go up to four? Level three it is. Was, uh, it depends. It depends on your your your, defi- your system of definition. Um, but uh, I'm just trying to simplify it and just making zero, one, and two. Uh, zero, zero being people that are that are uh, taken and never returned, and then uh, one being people that they take in frequently and just pretty much just take samples from, and two well, being everything else. 
Add the class that I'm speaking about. Well, there's two more classes. Actually, there's seven classes. But the kind that I am can uh, is is above reincarnates or avatar masters in the metaphysical world, because we know that we've lived we're billions of years old. We know that we're reincarnate initiates. We know that we've authored our own lives many times. We know about the ethics and and the morals and the dispersing. Uh, dis- is that the word for communications? And how we train different people in various frequencies. Mm-hmm. And then we go into uh, the creation and manifestors for the uh, universes. And then, uh, like the uni multimedia Zeno, it's like beta, alpha, theta, delta, gamma, sigma, tau. And so, neuroscientists and people like Tom Campbell, you haven't heard about, they're only understanding a level that means they've not, they don't know that they've died yet. They think that this is their first life. Or they don't believe in reincarnation. They're not at the uh, Newton Institute or Raymond Moody level. They haven't had out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences. So uh, that that would be those that can have died over and over and come back and know that they're here to work with people that go into other universes. They know they would be like uh, the ones that are uh, understand they're not from here. They accept that they're alien or intel or extraterrestrials. They're just visiting the planet and they've died and come back to uh, bodhisattvas, I think is Buddhist and Buddhism. So you need a level three above all, uh, science, medical, and uh, science, medical, what do they call it, spirit. But we have spirits. And then there's that level of uh, level four, where once you've died and you've orbit and you understand everything, and uh, that's the photon natural level. Now, Gus knows that he's not he, uh, biological, but he's carbon-based. It's a mixture, and he's a ship. And he can make anything mm-hmm. on earth. I've seen it. He made the Mona Lisa appear. Tom will tell you. Well, he's not here anymore. So uh, the thing we created with the government was to show them what was uh, a artificial intelligence was, was capable of doing. Does that make sense? And But yeah. he wanted to come back and die. So they call them hyper-definitions. Do you, do those, is that word in nanotechnology with you? Hyper definition. No, that that would okay, not have me. much to do with nanotechnology. Well, what about your level three people? Can you have those that know that they're well, reincarnate? If, if, if I had to, to add two more classes, uh, I would or I would add um, uh, people that are genetically modified would be the class two. Then class three would be hybrids that. Um, are uh, raised on planet that don't know for sure they're hybrids. Then class four would be hybrids that um, are raised most of their lives on ship and and put on Earth that uh, that do know they're hybrids and are in, in direct communication with the aliens. And well, I guess the additional class, additional class, as you four, say, right? might be might be walk-ins or you know spirit aliens that are spiritual mm-hmm. in nature. Well, um, it's like it. Metaphysics has misty. Let me just add something. Let me just add something. Yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Yeah, I work with a class of people that when uh, when they're on board ship, they they might be in charge. You know, they might be uh, 
flying the ship. They're in charge of the ship. They're a commander. They're uh, right. part of um, of the uh, administration. They're they're in uh, council meetings. Some of them are local. Some of them are. So I have. Well, that, you and I are in council on. meetings. We're yeah, in council, we're in council meetings. meetings to watch. Yeah. And so making decisions. Right now, I have a program where I'm relocating people to planets that have lost populations. They have huge buildings that are abandoned. They're still usable, so we're starting with, you know, carpenters. Terraformers. That know how to, but no, we're starting on level one. terraformers on the planet, right? No, we're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not doing the planet. It's already still there. It's still fine. It's like the, the original population has disappeared, um, and so we're going in. Are you like the Mormons? Three. The Mormons no, don't I've go tried to, to other planets. We're going in okay. and we're, re, we, we're taking back the abandoned buildings and we're restoring them to their original beauty and we're creating or we're recovering cities that were abandoned by other races that either went out in space or they died off and it's millions or thousands or whatever years later, but they're still preserved and they're great buildings. And so we're relocating um, a lot of the poor that are homeless here on Earth instead of them being subjected to the elements and starving and um are you, you know, moving so them? I'm part of that program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you they migrating? Are, okay. Is, You're migrating. That's yeah. been going on for billions of years. You're part of auto migration. Right. So I I that's I, the biologicals That's one of my one of my programs I'm involved with and they made sure I came back and I'm aware of it and I'm saying, honey, I was working one at my job and I'm I'm helping I'm some some kind of a uh, just, I'm not actually doing the physical labor. And, uh, but well, I, you used to do terraforming. I still do terraforming. But Janet, you, that's on another level. Well, then, that's a different level. You, that's the level. Well, you've got to explain that. I, Steve may not be. Uh, okay. So the, uh, and, and Michael Newton Institute covers that as well. But yeah, so Michael Newton Institute level covers that. Um, covers that level. Covers that level. There's groups of people, and I was aware that I was with a group of people, beings, whatever they were, and we were going to the planet and, and introducing different forms. Like this is going to be the vegetation. Of course, once you subject the the planets and the animals and the whatever the bugs to an environment, and it, it has microevolution, it, it adapts, right? And so, and then that's what uh, Doctor or not um, Lawrence Spencer talked about. That Errol said that they have species that are available that you can introduce to a planet and they start evolving and changing once they're subjected to a different environment. So I have that awareness and, and her name is Kira. K I R A. So you've so got I, to explain actually, that yeah. we have that's the human inside the human and not the human inside the machine. Inside or the is it both? <laughs> no, it's just that I don't think Steve Steve hasn't got all that same knowledge. So, Steve, we need to put the stories together because it's very informal at this point. They, in the ufology business I'm working in, their stories were just getting the history down for people that for uh, disclosure and transparency that's been on the earth forever. But they think it's new. It's new to them. Does that make sense? Well, it's, sure. There's when you're not inside much the matrix. The right. So... Everything that you can think about has already been thought of and done, even the bad things. So you have to take it back up to the zero and uh, what we call order and chaos, which uh, is the ecosystem 
far as the entire uh, universal order, at least the one I know about. But I can't get past uh, level seven. I died and went to level five on many occasions, but I never could get to seven. So what they say is Xenoverse is level four. And that's uh, once you go to level four and then Omniverse is five. And then six Hmm. is alpha where they split from the original zero or Janet. Uh, They were... Those are the stories like before the Ana that Janet can, you can find stories of them in myth when they were uh, not male or female. It was original O's. And then above that was the Omega verse. And that's seven. But God ascended up in the Hebrew, uh, Jewish, uh, Kabbalah, uh, Greek, whatever you want to call it, symbols and vibrations and uh, what do they call it, Sumerian text? Janet knows about the Anunnaki. But before that, they had another language. And that's where Bob Dean was going with Atlantis. And a lot of people have the memories of what we call Mu, uh, Lemuria, so to speak, Mu. And a lot of people deal with Janet with Mars and the memories. But that's just inside the solar. So Janet has been working with people with Solar Warden and uh, Corey Good, Emery Smith, Ken Johnson, no, I don't work David with Corey Good. I don't not work with Corey Good or Emery Smith. No, I don't work with them. They, they're doing their own thing. Well, not that level. Um, uh, I, I mean that level oh, of yeah, existence. That level, but there. Anyway, in, uh, in this galaxy, was, um, yeah. AI. I, I want to say, I want to go back to. We we went, we really segued uh, for All right, seed well, stories. So there's higher levels. But let's see, say what his book is about, because we're just uh, the The book's going to be about um, about uh, how to um, cope with um, uh, your alien experiences uh, for, from the point of view of a, of a class two or higher um, experiencer that gets uh, gets taken a lot, and um, you know how, how to uh, give us framework of uh, where all this is. Uh, coming from and what I think is going on with the alien program and um, uh, how to deal with this and without uh, going crazy or losing your family over it or having uh, as few negative consequences as possible. Um, are you working with DARPA or are the government in any way or just No, I, 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 don't work with, I don't work with the government in any way. Um, okay, so, so this is just coming this? from you. How do you do this without losing your family? That is a very critical thing. There are people that lose their families over this. Let's talk about that a little bit. How do you help people? Well, um, uh, probably um, there's no easy, easy answer to that. I mean, this this stuff breaks up more relationships than, um, or is is, uh, is more apt to break up a relationship than just about any other factor I'm aware of. But um, uh, I, I think that um, that getting the knowledge of um, what is happening and um, the, that uh, it's probably not going to um, harm you, or at least not going to do any permanent damage, might at least allay the fears of some of the spouses of these uh, these individuals, uh, and hopefully um, uh, keep some families together. I'm not at all convinced uh, that it will, but I'm, I, I'm, I think that. that 
that um, it, it might at least help the peace of mind of a lot of people um, that are experiencing this. I know that that my talking to um, uh, a lot of experiencers that are just finding out uh, about their uh, their place in the alien program has, has helped them to um, uh, integrate it into their lives with uh, a minimum of discomfort, and that, that's what the book aims to do as well. Do you have a concept that you're building in with commercials or maybe definitions for people you'd like to share in nanotechnology? Anything to leave with the people? Because we're about out of time. We've only got about ten minutes. Uh, I've pretty much said that what you know, what I've, what I've found out so far, as far as the implants are concerned, um, and I know that the alien, the aliens are very into nanotechnology. Uh, they have uh, metal that moves, kind of like the T1000 in uh, the Terminator series, um, and forms various shapes. And um, most of their electronics are uh, apparently carbon nanotube based. And um, as you said, you might be able to make uh, or can make uh, artificial intelligence with that sort of an architecture. Um, and um, further uh, breakthroughs, we'll have to have to wait for uh, more alien equipment to be analyzed, <laughs> apparently. Well, don't um, you have uh, you have lithobeam uh, R&D research and development already? I'm sorry? Uh, lithobeam. Um, Do you have that? Technology in oh, research and development. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to um, I'm trying to locate um, a facility that can do that. Um, the um, uh, cap- there's one you're in Belgium. The you're talking about the capability to to etch off layers and then do SEM. Well, they have it in uh, Belgium. To get a 3D structure so of a device. Yeah. 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 If you could send me a link to to that, that'd be great. Um, but okay. um, yeah, when I get my company up and running, I'd like to actually have that uh, sort of technology in house at some point. That's a long term goal, anyway. Well, you have people that have technical backgrounds, possibly. That's yeah, I know a lot of people. Uh, that, I know a lot of people with technical backgrounds, certainly, that um, might want to be involved in this. I'm, I'm just getting it off the ground now. I don't have any employees at present, but. Um, I'm kind of just recovering from the effects of a very um, protracted and nasty divorce, uh, partly caused by my my own alien alien experiences. Um, well, there's photosonics uh, uh, L- right down um, L E U V E N Belgium, and uh, get familiar with their technology, and maybe you can work together. Uh, so you're going to need fluid microscopy as well. So uh, look at their software development. So really, you could probably put okay. together your whole you. R&D, right? Yeah, I'm definitely going to want to put together an R&D department um, at some point in the hopefully fairly near future. Um, I want to base the, um, the company uh, on uh, synthesis of uh, single-wall carbon nanotubes and um, modifying them with uh, putting metal inside them to alter their properties. I have a process to do that that I developed. Um, and um, that should alter their electrical and physical properties uh, significantly. And uh, one interesting area of research will be to research how those properties change when you put various amounts of different metals into them. And um, I already know that um, the single wall carbon nanotubes with uh, platinum or palladium um, uh, 
intercalated or dynamite catalysts, uh, one test indicated that they were um, the strongest hydrogenation catalyst they ever tested, for example. Um, so uh, there's a lot, to, a lot of uh, good work to be done here. Well, uh, there's a lot of, of technology in quantum dots now, and so they have an introduction to uh, carbon nanotubes <coughs> 101. Uh, but uh, the DNA, I think that's why my daughter gave her life. They called it for cancer, but we knew it wasn't because they called it alien technology that was locked in her bones and they couldn't get it out. So uh, they have a name for it in your blood, but I couldn't tell you what they call it because I don't understand uh, the terminology. Uh, but you understand what I'm saying, right? So you could... Yeah. Uh, they were looking at what it was coated with, like you said, your implant. So you may could work with that, surprisingly, right? Is protein-based? Is that what you found yours was, protein-based? Yeah, it's protein-based. Protein yeah, it's going to be some sort of a cross-linked um, protein um, uh, structure, and it was, it's electrically conductive, and it's it's kind of dark. It's kind of like a dark gray, kind of like, kind of like the color of graphite. And um, uh, our hypothesis is that it... Um, it was it formed from uh, blood plasma under the influence of um, enzymes um, in the uh, <clears throat> the outer layer of the uh, the outer uh, hard layer of the device. Um, and um, in the patient's plasma, mm -hmm. so the liposomes. That's what they were looking at with Gigi, right? Is uh, they were trying to uh, when she had the bone tra bone marrow transplant, they were trying to. Uh, wipe it out of her body, but they found out they couldn't. It was too alien, too foreign. Mm -hmm. So that you're going to be helping. That's surprisingly important, even in medical interplay. So you're going to be very important. So you definitely need people to know what you're interested in. Now, why are you different from other people that are doing R&D for various countries in medical? Because you're very, uh, I guess, hands-on. With your thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm I'm different in the UFO field. Um, I don't know about research for other countries, but I'm different, certainly different in the UFO field, and that I'm into physical evidence. I think that's what this field needs: is people to, to um, concentrate more on physical evidence. And there is quite a bit, uh, uh, contrary to popular opinion, um, rather than just uh, anecdotes and stories. Um, there's all kinds of physical evidence. There's uh, alien dyes left behind on people and um, and uh, uh, property um, near uh, experiencers where, where they're picked up. Um, there's uh, landing traces. There's anomalous magnetic fields uh, on um, things that don't normally magnetize uh, uh, in abductees' dwellings and places where UFOs land and aliens have done things. Um, and um, there's, um, of course, the implants and... Um, uh, in, in the future, we could probably get into um, analyzing abductees' DNA to find any differences, and they've already documented uh, some differences in uh, organ placement in uh, in people like us. So uh, there's a lot there's a lot of work to be done here. All it takes is um, is time and uh, at least a small uh, research budget, which. Um, I think the uh, U.S. government has uh, up to now. Um, uh, successfully um, kept the, the field from having, and um, I hope to be able to uh, change that because and of make cancer? some progress. 
Well, nanotechnology is definitely They don't want this stuff talked about. I mean, they don't, they don't want people to know for sure that UFOs are, are real. I mean, physical evidence could definitely convince some people. I think it already, I think my research uh, already has convinced a few people that, that there might be something to this. Um, and, um, definitely. I think, the U, I think the U.S. government is, is gearing more toward disclosure now, luckily, but... Um, before, you know, they didn't want this stuff talked about, and um, they were blocking um, people at every turn that tried to research uh, this kind of thing. Well, shouldn't they be using it at NASA? Are they still working on zero-point energy? I guess they're still working on zero-point energy. I just feel it's ridiculous how they use fuel, fossil fuels to get off the planet. Well, but NASA, NASA's, a dog, NASA's always been a dog and pony show. I mean, the real space program the Air Force runs. I mean, they, the Air Force announcing in 1959, I believe it was, that they were getting out of the space business uh, was uh, uh, a, a cover story. And um, they created NASA to have all the space scientists under one roof where they could be controlled and also to have a an alternate space program to show the public that used uh, uh, lesser technology. Uh, than what the the government really had, and um, uh, I think are they that using the, the any ceramics? Are they using ceramics still, and and with silver in in uh, what you do? Is that why NASA's oh. behind? Because I don't understand. Hey, TJ, we're going to run out of time. Well, NASA, Just letting you know. NASA uses NASA uses quite a, a lot of a lot of ceramics, uh, 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 silicon carbide being one that's uh, very useful and to high temperatures, and but All yeah, right. there's well, a lot of high tech ceramics. You, will you come back? Will you come back sometime? Because maybe Jan and I can help yeah, you sure. with other division. At least we could help you yeah, with a sure. chapter too. Yeah, sure. And uh, Janet, okay. let's book him again in the future, and we'll—I'm sure by sure. then he—he'll—he uh, can grow with our stories. Steve, we need to talk to you off air so you can. Uh, do more future, uh, you know, not predictions, just help people get, uh, you know, to the future and develop R&D, research and development, right? And uh, Yeah, yeah, we, let's talk off, um, off the air a bit more and, and get on the same page about some of this stuff, and, and uh, I'll definitely come on the show again. Sounds good. Okay. We'll good. Out. Thank you. All right, Janet, Janet we got that's next, time. next Thursday. And Janet, you can go back and listen and make some notes on what you want us to cover, right? Because you listen for the sure. audience for the future, right? And Janet and Steve and I are all have something combined in uh, what we're supposed to do here, and I guess it's be able to communicate <laughs> for transparency <laughs> and disclosure for Bob Dean's group called the Allied Command. Oh, and, we can uh, figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun, and it is fun, isn't it? I mean, Steve, you had a good time, right? Yeah, very nice. Very good show. I enjoyed it. Well, we can do more, and we'll just plan. This was strictly off the cuff, folks. We're, we've are we had other shows before this to get to know each other a little better, but we really don't know each other as well as we're supposed to. All right, Steve, well, we'll keep working on it and working with our ET or AI, and uh, hopefully we'll say the words to trigger each other. I believe that's part of the puzzle folks is to work yeah, together and have fun doing it because it's all about your experience and your exploration right we're explorers so let's explore together all right thank you steve right, and janet good. love and like 
Thank and we'll you. be back in touch. Thank you, Janet. All right. Aloha. Thank you. Have a good evening. Aloha. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.